Everybody, if I had been thinking uh, and paying attention, I would have suggested watch the Queen's uh, funeral this morning rather than listening to me blather on. Although, uh, and the reason I say that is this: this is a momentous uh, occasion on the world stage to think about the uh, the Queen and her seventy year reign, and uh, to think about the fact that um, she is a sister in Christ. I mean, there there are numerous indications uh, that point to the fact of her belief in the Lord Jesus, uh, various different testimonials, various different things that she had said or written uh, that point to that reality. So it would be like attending a sister's funeral, uh, but momentous occasion on the world stage today. Um, where 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 are we in that uh, um 
in terms of where, where the funeral is? I mean, is it halfway through? Is it just getting started? Where is it? Uh, uh, just kind of curious about those things. So uh, Claire saying we had a good uh, visit to the nursing home yesterday. Uh, kept the nursing home ministry in your prayers. Have five residents listen and sing some hymns with us. So it's a very, very, very uh, important uh, ministry. Uh, and saying here, Roberta, uh, who went with you, uh, was uh, overwhelmed uh, with love and the, the, the sense of the Holy Spirit. So uh, praise God for that reality. So uh, the, the Queen's funeral uh, getting underway. Um, I, I'm tempted to want to put, I'm just being honest, I'm tempted to want to put that up on my my screen and keep an eye on that over there. I guess I'll go back and look at that later. Um, I'm going to jump in here real fast uh, and take a look at John chapter 1 verses 35 through 42, um, and I'm just acknowledging that I am distracted by the reality. I, I very much uh, like to observe that type of uh, ceremony, that type of um, uh, appropriate pomp and circumstance, and uh, so I am a little distracted by the thoughts, oh, what am I missing, and what are you missing, and what am I causing you to miss? But we will stick with what we're doing here in John chapter 1, uh, verses 35 through 42. Uh, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Now, this is John the Baptist who was there with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Now, he had said this before, uh, and um, it's being repeated again, the Lamb of God, the Lamb who would be sacrificed on our behalf and the Lamb who would um, take away the sin of the world. So when he saw Jesus passing by, he pointed and said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now, these had been people who had been following John, but now they start following Jesus and turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus said these words, and much is made of these words in disciple-making circles, just so you know. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. So uh, much can be made of verse 39, just the invitation. I mean, he, he didn't say, well, you know, he, he didn't give this big uh, ultimatum. He just said, come check it out. Come see. Now, now you know, I, I kind of will preach both sides of this because both sides are preached by Jesus. There is the invitation to come and see. And that is exactly the invitation that's given here. This is first step. This is winning people, uh, inviting people to come and see who is Jesus. And that's what we want to do, you know, it, evangelistic events uh, or uh, having coffee to talk about spiritual things and say, you know, I'd like to have talk, coffee with you and I want to tell you very specifically, I would, I would like to get your understanding of Jesus, so you kind of put it back on them, 
and, and maybe be able to share with you my understanding. So a come and see. Let, let's come and discuss. Let's, let's come and observe. But the very first invitation that Jesus gives is at kind of the lowest level. If you imagine a cake chart from uh, the very bottom of the cake chart, you know what a cake chart is. It's kind of like the pyramid. Um, so you have the bottom level, which is is come and see. It's an outreach. Jesus is reaching out to these people. They're following. They are interested. They are curious uh, in who he is, uh, wanting to learn more about him. And so they come to uh, they come to see. So it says they says in, it says in verse thirty nine. It says they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour of the day, and uh, so so they were. They went, they saw where he was staying, uh, they spent the day with him, and there is much that can be made about the idea of spending that time. I mean, from an evangelistic vantage point, that we would learn to spend time with the Lord, uh, uh, that we would learn how to spend time with people and point them to the Lord. Sorry, I'm still a bit distracted thinking about the queen's funeral here. Um, But they they went... uh, and they spent the day with Jesus. And, and sometimes that's what it's going to take for people to come around to the faith. Sometimes we think, oh, if we get them there and present the gospel once, they're going to believe. No, oftentimes it takes people numerous encounters with the gospel before they're ready to believe. It, it takes uh, people numerous times being around legitimate, uh, honest, humble Christians uh, before they're ready to believe, it isn't. It isn't always that first one-time encounter. Now, it, let let's say that you invite somebody to an evangelistic event. They come, they believe. It's probably the case that that somebody was praying for them already. It's probably the case that somebody was already sowing seeds in their life. It's probably the case that they'd already been exposed to the gospel some. So when when we invite somebody and they uh, respond in that the first time they attend church or the first time they attend an outreach event or something like that. It isn't the fact that it's the first time. Most often it is a case that, that, that they are, they've been made ready. Someone has been planting the seeds. Somebody has been watering the seed. Uh, they've been exposed before. Most often that is the case. Now that doesn't always have to be the case. I mean, the reality can be that sometimes it's, it's a case that, uh, uh, sometimes it's a case that that they have uh, just the Holy Spirit is drawing them. The Holy Spirit's working in their life and causing them to believe. And the Holy Spirit certainly can do that right out of the gate, uh, right at the very beginning of everything, can cause someone to believe. But back into the text again, what the text had to say to us is the fact that the invitation that Jesus gave to them was to come and see. That is the starting point. So, you know, if, as an example, as a church, we have an outreach event. Let, let's say we're going to do trunk or treat this year, which we're hoping to do trunk or treat this year, planning to do. At whatever scale we can do trunk or treat, we will do it. Uh, we're not the strength that we were a few years ago, uh, but uh, we still need to to seek to reach out and to do what we can do. Um, so to have a trunk or treat event, that, that is a, a cultivating type of an event. Cultivate, plant, reap. It's an event, and I say cultivate because we're just trying to let people realize, look, we're, we, we are friendly people. We're not unfriendly people. We're not, yes, we, we do this preacher from time to time from this chair right here or from the, 
from the stage will call us to, to really live life. But as we mingle with the people from the community, I mean, it, it's really to cultivate and, and perhaps uh, to give that invitation to come and to see and to learn more about Jesus. So come and see is the first invitation. They were curious. And there, there are different levels of non-believers. I mean, there are the skeptical non-believers. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily hardened. It just means that they are skeptical. What it means is that they are people who uh, who have questions and who have doubts. And, and if you can um, uh, answer the doubts, if you can give reasonable response to those doubts and reasonable response to that skepticism, skepticism, they may just, in fact, believe. So there, there's skeptics. There are the hardened people who are absolutely defiantly, definitively against the faith. They're not likely to come and see anything anyway because they've already made up their minds. At least they think they've made up their minds till the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them. They think they've made up their minds and their hearts are hardened. But then there are those curious people. Uh, ones that, you know, I, I, I am kind of curious about this Jesus thing and I do kind of want to learn some. So, uh, different levels, even within the non-Christian, it isn't just, well, there's Christian and non-Christian, uh, within the non-Christian, uh, world, uh, people stand in relationship to Jesus at varying levels, some to the, the flat out denying his existence, which, uh, even a good atheist would say anyone who denies the historical existence of Jesus is an idiot. I've heard atheists say that about people who make comments about that he historically did exist, uh, but yet the atheist would say, but he isn't who he said he was, uh, and they, they will deny the miraculous, and they will de- deny uh, anything that points to the reality of God, and then all the way up to the person who is you know, m- maybe even curious maybe even being called into the faith. I mean, if you could take that one bottom layer of, of people who are needing to be one, that outreach level of people, and realize that there are people uh, even at different uh, different places on the continuum, if I could use a continuum illustration, people at different places on the continuum in terms of they're really ready to respond to the gospel uh, or they're resistant to the gospel. They're highly resistant to the gospel. They reject the gospel to people who, you know, all they need is a little nudge and they're in. All this comes out of this, this one phrase that we have read, come and you will see. That is Jesus' invitation. And said to, they went, saw where he was staying, spent the day with him about the 10th hour. And in verse 39, the idea of spending time with Jesus. If we can invite people in to spend time with Jesus, what would that look like? That could be an evangelistic Bible study. That might mean going to some neighbors. And I, I think some of these things in culture might be getting harder to do, but we still need to do them. Uh, I say harder because how culture seems to be hardening itself against the gospel. But but I think God is still drawing people's hearts. And I think that if we would invite somebody, hey, I'm going to have a, a Bible study. It's not. It, it's for people who don't know anything about Christianity or for people who, Maybe you're curious about Christianity and 
And I, I wonder if that's something that might be of interest to you. And so we have a, an evangelistic Bible study and they keep coming back or somebody comes to church and they keep coming to church. And there, there's a, a person that uh, was coming to kind of resisted coming to church, but started out listening with us here. And, and, and there are different reasons why people resist, but, but now they're a, a person who, who, who comes to church. Now, it isn't just about coming to church. You, you got to come to faith in Christ. It isn't enough to, I mean, you've heard me say this before, uh, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a breakfast sandwich. Uh, no, you, you need to trust in Christ. But the starting point for many people is to come and see, to meet people at their level of curiosity and, and to be able to point uh, them to Jesus. The verse, the passage continues, verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. So we know Andrew was here. Uh, he was one of the followers of John the Baptist. He is hearing what John said, and he began to follow Jesus. The very first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. So notice. What he did, the very first thing, is he went and told somebody. And it says in verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Uh, and we will know later on it would be uh, translated as the rock. Not to be confused with Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Peter is the original rock. There you go. Uh, but Simon, no, just notice what, what Andrew did. He brought Simon and, and told him the, the message. So for us, I mean, what lesson do we have in this verse for ourselves? Who would we go and find? Who would we go and tell? You know, for me, I the first people I told when I trusted in Jesus were the people working on our farm. One was a man named Rick. Uh, another was a man named Dwight. We called him Yogi. Uh, it seems like there was another guy up on there. His name was was Ed. Uh, and we, so those were the first three people that I told about Jesus. And that was the morning after or the day after I had trusted in Christ. And the night I trusted Christ, I got home late and no, there's nobody there anyway to tell. But the next day, and to think about who would we tell about Jesus? Uh, the very first thing Andrew did, he was excited. When we are convinced that Jesus is the Christ and we want other people to be saved, that, that we would be prompted, that we would be motivated, that we'd be stimulated, uh, that we would be inspired to want to go and tell other people about Jesus. So the first thing he did was went to Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. So he told him that is one part of the equation that we read here. Then the second thing it says in verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So for us, I mean, we go find somebody to tell, but then to bring them to Jesus. Uh, if I can camp on this theme for just a 
for just a short moment, the idea of bringing people to Jesus. You know, I, I, I'm kind of convicted uh, a little bit extra lately. But how, how, will I, how good a job do I do of telling people about Jesus? Now, it is one thing to tell people about Jesus standing on a stage. That is one thing. It is one thing to tell people about Jesus in a church because most of them are there. They're at least somewhat interested in the gospel because they're there. Uh, they're at least, unless someone dragged them kicking and screaming, there there at least will be some modicum of interest that they will have. So they come. Uh, but I, I've been convicted about how well do I tell people about Jesus when I have the opportunities? I I, I can do better. Um, but then to think about, I've talked about this top five list of people that we would have that we would pray for that don't know Jesus. You might you might say, look, I can't do five. I I'll do three. Some of you might say five, five. I'll do ten. Uh, but. Whoever, whatever your your list might be, if it's one person, if it's two people, if it's three people, if it's five people, if it's ten people, just the conviction that, that comes out of verse 42 where it just simply says right here, and he brought him to Jesus. What would the church be like if we as Christians, if lots of us were bringing others to Jesus? That's the question. I mean, if on a regular basis we were bringing people to Jesus, uh, people at the local store, uh, people at the local markets, uh, people in the neighborhood, uh, relatives, grandchildren, um, sisters, brothers, whomever it might be, and, and we need to be able to come to the point where we're not ashamed of the gospel uh, and not ashamed of Christ and not afraid to speak up on his behalf. Now, Continuing down through the text, I'm going to, I'm going to finish this chapter out. Uh, it says, The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. So finding Philip, he said to him, now he's going a different direction. He's passing by, he's seeing Philip, and he says to him, follow me. So here is another word, uh, come and see is one thing. Um, but now it's come and follow because he was leaving the area going to Galilee Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel. Notice the, the, the commonality here. Uh, Andrew went and found Peter. Now Philip goes and finds Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see. And that's. See, see now what's happening here? Jesus said to th those first followers uh, who've been following John, come and see. Now we see uh, Philip repeating the phrase, come and see, and for us to follow the pattern, come and see, that this is part of, the, uh, of a disciple-making model that Jesus gave, come and see. So when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. And, and he's saying that because Nathanael just really was not convinced anything about Jesus whatsoever. Uh, he, he is wanting to really know the, 
the true Messiah. So verse 48, he says, how do you know me, Nathaniel asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you, will, while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. Then he added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Just the experience that is here, the experience that that Nathaniel is having with Jesus and and being pointed to Jesus uh, as Nathaniel was, and, and he exclaims, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel, and he believes. The pattern that we have here, the pattern of come and see, come and follow, uh, those are phrases that, that become important in disciple-making that, that we would be able to say to other people, uh, come and see. Now, here, here's a, a few comments over uh, in the comment section uh, that I will share with you. Um, Fran, Walter's saying, I ask God to bring the opportunity across your path every day, and he will do it. Uh, friends of mine, uh, Neil and Judy Browder, uh, had written a book, I, which, which really the title says it all, Pray and Watch. So you pray for God to give you opportunities, and then you watch for him to do just that. So ask God to bring the opportunity across your path every day, and he will do it. And then, and then Fran says this, uh, it is one of the most fulfilling feelings in one's life to lead one to Christ, so to lead somebody to Christ. And, and for for us to be praying, Lord, give me the opportunity to lead someone to Christ, that we would be so full of Jesus ourselves that we would then be pointing other people to Christ, to, to follow after Christ. What are the words? The words are come and see. Come and see about Jesus. Now, that, again, bringing it back home to us, uh, it, it's a process Evangelism often is not an event. Sometimes we want to treat it like it's an event, like, um, you know, someone's going to come, they're going to hear, they're going to believe. No, often we need to understand that it's a case that that people will uh, need to hear the gospel several times, and they're going to need to be around people who legitimately live out the faith before they're going to be ready to believe. And uh, if we understand that it's a process that helps us to not be discouraged, but then to ask God to help us sow seeds, to ask God to help us uh, plant uh, plant the, the words of the gospel, that uh, that would be that we would have those opportunities to share Christ in that kind of a way. Uh, this this is a rather important passage. Just this section of John one. I mean, John one all the way through. I mean, the Bible is important. I know that, but, but in terms of understanding, uh, the, uh, the process of making disciples and I believe disciple making begins prior to conversion. Uh, we're not only making disciples of people who are already Christians. We begin discipling people before they are Christians, before 
they have come to the faith. We we are engaged in that process of making disciples because we're we're helping them to see who Christ is in our lives. We're helping them to see the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Our lives hopefully are pointing them to the Father. So, uh, if uh, disciple making, in my opinion, begins uh, at the level of evangelism, as we're trying to point people to Christ, we begin to disciple people in that kind of a way. Well, this morning we have looked at John 1, uh, and John 1 verses, um, let me get back over looking at that, verses 35 through the end of the chapter, 35 through 51 thinking about Jesus' calling of his first disciples, of his first followers, and uh, what all was a part of that process. Uh, And for us to realize we are now called to follow his example, to follow his model, to point other people to Christ. Much to learn. Come and see. Follow me. Take those words away. Think about those words, that we would invite others to come and see, and that we ourselves would follow. Now then, if somebody responds to the gospel and gives their life to Christ, then then the next step is to say to them, okay, now, now come along with me and let's follow Jesus. And what does it mean to follow Jesus? It, it means to learn what he has to say to us. It means to become like him. Uh, there's a verse that says, uh, when a student is fully taught, he will be like his teacher, that we will become like Christ in that kind of a way. Well, friends, I'm going to call it a morning there. Uh, you can go back and, and you can think about this passage. There, there are probably, uh, probably other nuances of insight that you could gain. I mean, there's the whole family connection. There were sets of brothers that were here, so there's the family side of things, uh, but also uh, just that the Lord would use us to help others come and see who Jesus is. Lord, help us. Help us to be faithful witnesses in how we live our lives. Help us to be faithful witnesses in the words that we speak. Help us to be faithful witnesses when we when we have the opportunity to speak on your behalf. Use us to bring other people into the family of God for the glory of Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, hear our prayer. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you again tomorrow.